feel that life is, is divided up into the horrible and the miserable. Those are the two categories, you know. The, uh, the horrible would be like, um, I don't know, terminal cases, you know, and blind people, yeah. crippled. I don't know how they get through life. It's amazing to me. You know, and the miserable is everyone else. That's, that's so, so, so when you look through life, you should be thankful that you're miserable because that's you. Very lucky <laughs> to be miserable. to a very exciting episode of a damn podcast. Why is it so exciting? We have a lot to cover. I guess we do, huh? We have a lot going on. So, yeah. uh, my name is Adam Pulcher. <laughs> you almost did it wrong. My, my, name, my name is Adam Sherlock. This is episode 22. Yes, ma'am. Of a damn podcast. And if you remember last week, we did Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. It was a good movie. It was funny. Uh, starring Ben Stiller, who is in the Royal Tenenbaums with Bill Murray who is in The Life Aquatic with Jeff Goldblum, who's in this week's movie, Annie Hall, for 20 seconds. I was going to say, that's right. And he's my, it's my favorite thing in the world, where it just shows him for a second when they're in L.A. at that super shitty hoity-toity party. I, and I, he's on the phone, and he's like, um, yeah, I, I forgot my mantra. I love that. That's amazing. I think, by far, the best... Uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Um, is... Uh, I'm retarded. I can't uh, Christopher Walken? Yep. <laughs> I, I cameo? Was cameo? Cameo is the word I was looking for, but Christopher uh, Walken. Oh, yeah. And it, and it uh, kind of finally solidifies the soundbite in my favorite Jawbreaker song. Yeah, you know, and I remember <laughs> uh, somebody else, uh, Josh Stoll, asked me a couple of years ago, like, what movie is that from? Because that seems really intense. I'm like, actually... It's a comedy. It's, it's a comedy, <laughs> and it's a really, really funny scene. Yeah. Yeah, just think about pulling the car into the oncoming headlights. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, I apologize for my kind of froggy-sounding voice today. I, it was my birthday this last weekend, and I partied my ass off. <laughs> Still feeling it? Uh, well, I just... Uh, my voice hasn't recovered, because I'm up till 5 o'clock in the morning, like, hey, the thing about Freemasons! <laughs> you know, for hours on end, drinking and smoking and watching the sun come up. And well, happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. Uh, okay, along with this, uh, I guess we haven't said yet, we are actually, oh, you did say Annie Hall. Yeah, and, Annie uh, Hall. Along with that, you were doing your punishment uh, essay. My punishment essay for uh, uh, Delta Farce. Delta Farce. That will be, that'll be coming along. we got a couple of songs. We're going to be doing uh, our last installment of the Joe Dante the Film Festival, The Burbs. And then our top five list is top five honest relationship movies. Yes, yes. I've got a good list. I think, I think I've got a good list too. I th like I said, mine's pretty obvious, but good. Well, that's, that's good. all right. We'll cover the obvious ones. Yeah, we'll go both. We'll go both. Okay. Well, let's dive into it. 1977. Woody Allen. Yeah, you know, and actually, uh, this beat out Star Wars for Best Picture. I saw that it won Best Picture. It beat Star Wars. It beat though. Star Wars. Do you think it's better than Star Wars? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I really do. I think if I had to pick between Annie Hall and Star Wars, I'll go with Annie Hall. Maybe we might get some hate mail on that, but uh, well, we'll see. You know, the, uh, nerds sitting in their parents' basement with the kind of <laughs> angst and anger that only a virgin can really push, you know, saying, Star Wars is the greatest film ever made. How and, can you compare it to yeah, all? Yeah, I'll be... God, I hope we get something like that. Yeah, I really hope so, too. It'd be really great. Um, Somebody got so mad they shook their Spock ears off in <laughs> anger. Obviously very different movies, but... Uh, 
what, uh, Annie Hall and <laughs> Star, Star Wars? Wars? Yeah. yeah, you know, but I think it goes to show that, like, you know, a movie can uh, have total popularity and, like, sweep through people's imaginations, but when you have a, a really great, really honest comedy like this, I mean, and, it, you know, it's it's funny because I think that Annie Hall sort of falls into this lexicon of, of it really is the pinnacle of having all the great bits that when I think about Woody it Allen does, movies, yeah. it's like... He's, he saved everything for that movie. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I love his movies. I love all of his movies, but there seems like that when I think about the, the stuff I really love, so much of it is just in Annie Hall. Like, for all, sure. all the, all the uh, his, uh, I mean, I mean, first of all, just the way that it's filmed, I mean, I don't think that there were, uh, especially, I mean, even nowadays there aren't, but, you know, I think in, in particular back, back in, in the 70s, like, Nobody had really done that before. They're like constantly breaking the fourth wall. Whole Always, sections yeah, of the movie where he's part. just talking to the camera. You yeah. know what I mean that great opening sequence where he's just telling jokes and he's he he has this weird demeanor about him where he doesn't seem like he's acting. It doesn't seem like he's doing anything but being himself and just talking to the camera, you know? You know, and this and I everything I've always seen of Woody Allen's I've just loved just because I he I I think a lot of us can relate to his neurotic sensibility. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely to the nth degree of that, but well, you can it, you can understand for it. sure. But I mean, for comedy purposes, I think yeah, you yeah. know, um, I think partially he is kind of like that too. But oh yeah, for sure, the, uh, he is. you know. And for some reason, until recently, this one has kind of passed over me, and I don't know why. I think it's because a lot of the hype forever, and it's been it's been such a monumental movie, and yeah, I, I, I never really, I, I never really popped on my radar, and then. You 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 know, we're talking. I think it was on your one of your top fives, yeah. and I'm like, well, I have to see this because I you know I just keep hearing amazing shit about it, and I saw, and this was like the second or third time well, I've seen it, and it truly is such easily is the best movie I think. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, it's like you could say to somebody like, oh, you know, on the river, uh, on the waterfront, a fucking phenomenal movie. You got to go check it out, and you could ch- you could watch that movie and be like, okay, a movie like that what it's about and what it's trying to say is something that's really timeless. But you think about a movie that's from the seventies, that's about, that's a comedy about relationships. And you think, how can that have any bearing on the way that my life is and the way that I see relationships? Cause it just seems like so many things would change over time that, it, you know, it would lose its classic status because of what it's about changes over the years. But you know, even going back and watching it again, uh, uh, just recently, it's like nothing changed. Like, that is still exactly the way that relationships are, and, and it's honest to a just painful point, you know? Oh, the yeah. way that it the way that it shows these these different things. And I, I think that there's something uh so great about uh the true honesty in relationships. And not just saying like how great they are or like when they fall apart, like, you know, how sad it is, but it's like how mean people can be to each other and how much that they can lie to the other person and to themselves about what they're doing and about like how they really feel and that, you know, like, uh, and I guess we should just go through really quick and, 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 and explain. I mean, there isn't the whole plot to this movie is that this really neurotic guy meets a girl. They get in a relationship. Um, they kind of break up once, then they get back together and they're really happy, but you see them grow and then they uh, essentially end up breaking up, and that's... The, uh, and for those who don't know, if you haven't listened to this before, this will be half spoilers on in it, but, you know, you basically gave pretty much the depth of the plot that we're going to That's pretty about. much the whole movie, yeah. But the, uh, I think a lot of it, you know, he talks about uh, loneliness and misery and suffering, but in happiness, you know, and I never really... 
I mean, there's parts where they were fighting, I guess, but they never really seemed that mad at each other. I think maybe it's just because <laughs> of Woody Allen. I don't know. Oh, I think, <laughs> you know, and I think so, too. I think it was, they were more uh, apathetic than anything. I mean, really what, really what, and I guess what's one of the reasons why it's a really, uh, uh, it has such a soft spot for me is that I've, I've been in that relationship oh, yeah. before where I'm the one that's older and, and quote unquote more mature. And I'm, you know, you I need to take classes. Yeah. You, you, I'm going to buy you this book cause I really think you should read it, you yeah. know? And, and the girl's really sweet, but she's kind of, you know, younger and goofy and maybe a little naive and doesn't know who totally. she is yet and what she wants to do. And so you're just leading her around the hand. You're going to show her the world. And then once she finally starts to grow and become her own person, yep. then you resent her and you just, you know, you're always like, Oh, you know, like you, you, just you know you don't even understand what life's about like i'm the one who got you into all that well, you, stuff like, you, yeah exactly well you and she uh annie hall and diane keaton plays a great kind of like you said naive ditzy girl you mm-hmm. know, at first and then when she he comes and visits her back in california you can tell she's changed. she's completely changed yeah yeah, yeah. She's kind of her own person finally and he helped create that but he's not getting credit for it it's kind of yeah, His well, and he never did, it. you know, you, you, you can tell that it happens over the course of years, and he never does grow, yeah, you know, he's, he, <laughs> he's exactly the same, and he is so content with bitching about the stuff that he wants to bitch about, and kind of, like, running around in his same little circle, and, you know, with the same people, and, like, just constantly doing the same shit over and over again, and he can't understand why she wouldn't want to be a part of that, but when you look at just him... He's a fucking mess. And he keeps wanting to go and watch that fucking uh, four-hour documentary about the Nazis. Like, that's, you know, like, he won't go into the movie because it's in the opening credits. But I've done the same thing, though. Well, and and I'm not, and I mean, that's, I'm I'm being very unapologetic when I'm saying this, but, you know, I, I think that it's just, when you see, that's one of the things that's so great and so honest about this movie is that it does show you, even though it's him narrating it and it's him throwing it all together i mean this is a warts and all kind of a movie where he does not pull any punches about what a dipshit he is you know oh, and so totally. it's well, really great that you get to see he that really i don't know what it is about him and how he acts but really he kind of when he i whether he's happy or pissed off or fighting or sad he's still kind of pretty much the same always complaining yeah it's just yeah it's never it never changes from that one personality it's totally true but at the same time he just pulls it off because i guess he just explains how he's feeling Mm -hmm. or something and or he doesn't even explain it straightforward he explains it through a uh you know a quote or uh you know uh what am i trying to Think like a, well, yeah, he just comes up with these like, like he'll just have these like weird examples of, yeah, of, examples. of the way you know he's just, he's really funny. He's a really funny totally. guy, but you know, I think it's really interesting too. A lot of his movies, you know, and and I know even from uh, Woody Allen's uh, early literature, like uh, um, Without Feathers or Getting Even, in some of the books that he wrote, um, he's always had a lot of interest in. Uh, the Greek tragedies. I mean, that's why Mighty Aphrodite, I don't, you know, there's that whole section of that where there's the Greek chorus that's Mm -hmm. sort of up there explaining away, like, all these things that happened to him. But a ton of Ingmar uh, Ingmar Bergman and Fellini uh, references, if you know. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing. Those are, I think, two of his, like, most influential. Yeah, well, and I think that the Greek tragedy thing is really worth noting, too, because, you know, even in Annie Hall, you know, it is this sort of a thing where these characters are set up and they're saying and doing things 
that they're not making it a point to say, ooh, look what a big deal this is that she said this to me. Mm-hmm. They're just saying it, but you, as you're watching it, it's setting you up for these events that are going to happen, and you're like, oh, fuck. You know, where you're seeing both of them complain to about each other to their therapists and the screen. Oh, that's screen. a great scene. You know, yeah. but it's like you're watching this all unfold, and you're going, God, this is not going to end well. And where they're on the airplane, and you can, you know, you're getting... Uh, um, both of their sort of thoughts, uh, you know, their monologue thoughts of, of and, and they're uh, explaining away why they don't want to be together anymore. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, there's this and there's that and all these reasons. So, so then when the breakup happens, you know, they, they try to turn it into this really magnanimous, like, this is good, you know, this is really adult of us. Like, we're, we're going to be fine. This is totally going to be like okay. On the plane. You know, well, after that, when they're trading back their books yeah, and they're great. just talking and they're being really, you know, and they're like, and, you know, if this doesn't uh, work out with us, us being apart, um, we can always come back to this. And you're watching that and you're like, oh, that's so sad because they're just completely fooling themselves. And well, then the, the very time. next scene after that is him walking out of the apartment going, I miss Annie. Like, just immediately after it, you yeah. know, like. I love love the fourth wall being broken so much on here. There's almost oh, yeah. like a uh, Christmas Carol past present ghost kind of thing, you know, yeah, going into the future, like yeah. his early on parts. And when they go and um, to the, their parents' house that lived under the roller coaster, which I love. Oh, That's I know. Great. Yeah, <laughs> or he's like people say I exaggerate my childhood, but I swear to God, I lived underneath yeah. the roller coaster in Coney Island. And uh, you know, just little stuff like that. And I really like how. You know, you, you just see a different part of a part, something like you don't see, especially back in '77. I'm sure. You know? No, yeah, it was very interesting ways. Like when he brings his buddy uh, uh, Max <laughs> with him, and he's like, "Ellie, they tell me you were a great beauty." Yeah, she's like, "I was oh, a great beauty." I was a great beauty, and he's like, "I find that very hard to believe." Yeah, like that's just all that stuff with the Joey Nichols. He's like, "Oh, what an asshole!" That that uh, his actor friend Max or whatever. Yeah, he, and that he calls him Max when he. Uh, when he puts that like sunglasses hat thing it's on, like, are we driving car? through plutonium? <laughs> what are you doing? But I was just wondering. I was like, is was that something cool in the seventies? That was like people were actually. Wearing? I have no I idea. I have no keeps, idea. Keeps that whole, young. Yeah, that whole the whole L.A. part of it, you know, which is sort of this heightened version of L.A. that once again is being told through. Uh, uh, um, Woody Allen's character, Aldi Singer, of of what that looks like you know and so yeah there's just you know like we said the jeff goldblum like he's you know obviously calling up his maharishi or whatever because he's forgotten his mantra that he chants you know (laughs) or uh oh fucking paul simon phenomenal in that just is the sleaziest like little just he's just little and he's always wearing those shirts and like um that's great you know uh the vpl stuff like that's all really funny but you know i think that there's a there's some really interesting storytelling devices that they utilize through it um, that actually going back and watching it again, I thought, boy, I, you know, I love this. I love this movie uh, and I think that it's really original, but they, they lifted a lot from this movie for eternal sunshine of the spotless mind in the way that the narrating goes of it's starting and showing 
the the towards the very end of their relationship when yeah. they're not having sex and you for your first Im, uh, impression of Annie Hall is like wow she's a bitch and like yeah. you know they seem totally unhappy and then we all automatically go back to his ex-wife and then we go back to when they when Annie Hall and him first met and yeah. then we go back to his other ex-wife and That's it's bouncing point. around all these things that when I, I was watching it that. I was like wow they really utilize so many similar elements of showing so you do know that the relationship has gone to this really bad place and then it shows you their tennis match when they first meet and it's just heartbreaking mm -hmm. because you're seeing them there and you're like they're so cute and they're so funny together and awkward and, yeah. and, awkward. and you get that great stuff with the uh subtitles of what they're really oh, saying great. you well, know I, that, that 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 scene especially it seems super original and you don't really see that much other than like Wayne's world when they're speaking. Yeah, when he's, when oh, wait, he's speaking no. Korean yeah. or whatever. But that's still, yeah, this is them speaking English and then there's subtitles for what, what they really, really mean, yeah. you know? Uh, I just think that that, yeah, where he's saying, uh, world, where he's saying, saying uh, well, you know, uh, I mean, I do think that, you know, uh, as far as then on an aesthetic level, you know, the visualization and underneath it, it says, my God, what the hell am I saying? I sound like FM radio. <laughs> It's just like, but you know, I do think that the way that, I that, love that how. those things were set up lends itself, like I said, to more of like a tragedy because you know these events are going to happen. I I, it almost seems obviously a lot of, obviously most of it is scripted, but I think uh, a lot of it doesn't really seem that scripted. Like a lot of it is Keaton and Ellen really just kind you know, of. I could, I would other. imagine that they did something like that because they do bounce off each other, and you know, I, I hate fast pace uh, though. With an undying passion, I hate uh, Diane Keaton, but she's oh, really? <laughs> so cute in this movie. You know, um, I just well, I because I think that as once she got older, she just started playing. Annie Hall when she was older. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's all these movies, you know, now it's just like, ah, it's like Annie Hall. And, and, she's, and, and she's in Godfather 2, which was before this, and that's mm -hmm. kind of, uh, her part's, you know, it's kind of forgettable. It's pretty forgettable, you know, I think. But, but, you know, I guess anyone could have been that part, but, you know, I guess in the older Godfather movies, she... I mean, and that's the thing is she won. She won uh, Best Actress. Did she? Yeah, for this movie. You know, the funny thing is, though, is, you know, it's another one of these things where she won Best Actress, but if you if you went back now, you'd be like, yeah, but that's just her. <laughs> I don't know how much sure. she was acting. I think that she's just kind of a goofball. And that just happens to so many actresses, too, where they you know they play a great role and defines them as, a, as an actress, and then they end up playing that person for the rest of their career. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, just like our very first podcast episode, we had sort of our, like, run-of-the-mill, like, oh, we need a cop in this movie. Let's get Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, we need a, we need a, we need a spicy Latina. Let's go get Rosie Perez. <laughs> you know, just like, but, but, but uh, in this movie, I do think that Diane Keaton is really cute. She does and, and, you know, that sparked an entire, an entire, uh, uh, fashion boom with her whole outfit because he uh, he actually you know it's an autobiographical uh, it's a semi autobiographical kind of story and yeah of course and uh, he wanted I guess when he first met Diane Keaton so that's just how she was dressed huh. she's wearing like a, a derby cap and like a guy's tie and like an oversized t shirt I like or an oversized dress shirt and so that was. I like how fast-paced it is. You know, it really doesn't have a slow moment through the whole thing. No, and every time that it sets up something that you think is going to be uh, something that was more slow-paced, like uh, the the dinner scene where he goes to her parents' house, you think it's going to be slow-paced, 
And then it's just a setup for another really funny observation about the differences between his life and her life. Where you have this split screen. Or grandma. Grammy? Yeah, Grammy. And she looks at him and he looks like a Hasid with the payas hanging (laughs) down and the whole thing. That's great. And then when it goes the split screen and and then it's his family over there and he's like, we're talking, he's like, diabetes. (laughs) So he's got diabetes, he can't come out of the house now. Like, that's just like... They're just yelling at each other. Like, I just thought that was great, you know. And then, like we said, the great Christopher Walken, you know, yeah, scene where so like, good. oh, Jet's going to drive you home. They're just like, oh, my God. And, and, but they don't show you the whole drive, just five seconds. And that's yeah, and it's just, it just shows him with that look of, like, utter terror on his face. I thought that was just the, uh, great. One of my favorite parts is uh, his second wife where she's having the party and she's feeling all important and he's in there watching the basketball game or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, uh, something like, we'll be in here quietly humping. Yeah, whatever. he's like, the, the academics can be out there, you know, pontificating about life, and we'll be in here quietly humping. He has some great one-liners in this. There's oh, so the many. one where he, uh, uh, with his first wife, um, I can't remember that. Uh, Carol Kane. Carol Kane, thank you. And, it, you know, he kind of pigeonholes her right off the bat of like, oh, you must be one of those uh, upper upper uh, class New York uh, socialite uh Jewesses with the blah blah blah, and he like goes through this whole thing, and she's like, "Yeah, that's really great. I love being pigeonholed like that." And she yeah. goes, "So, uh, what are you, a bigot?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm a bigot, but you know, for the left." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I just thought was that was great. I think probably the most the scene in this movie that more more than any other that just makes me want to crawl under the couch when I'm watching it because it's and I gotta hand it I gotta hand it to Woody Allen this is so painfully truthful and it's the kind of thing you'd never want to admit to anybody it's the scene we get the very first version of the scene that's cute and very nostalgic and whimsical and then we get the same scene later and it's the lobster scene Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that the first time it's the oh, spontaneous the, thing, and, it with and he's you know he's holding yeah. it up, and she takes pictures, and it's all very cute, and it's this very whimsical kind of a, totally. you know, and it's one of those things you think about when you think, yeah, after a relationship ended, that would be the kind of stuff you would think back about and smile. Yeah. And he tries to recreate it <laughs> yeah, with this douchebag <laughs> of a girl, you know, who's just like, why don't you just pick him up and put him back in the pot? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And he's like. <laughs> Well, I just, uh, you know, awkward, you know, and then he's like, well, I, I've just haven't been myself since I quit smoking. And she's like, when did you, you know, how long ago was that? He's like 16 years. And she's like, what? She doesn't get it. Is that a joke? (laughs) What do you mean? 16 years. And he's just like, and it's so painful because you're like, I think I've done that before. Oh, probably. Yeah. Just maybe not to the nines of the way it is in the movie, but tried to take, the new girlfriend to the place where you had the old, you know, the yeah, great experiences sure. with the old girlfriend. Or, let's go camping in this spot. I've had some great times here before. Like, let's go force it to be that good again. Come exactly. on. and Help like, me out here. Yeah, and it's just, like, the worst, like, most painful thing. And it's really a beautiful example of how lonely he really is and lost, oh, you know. for sure. And then, uh, what's the lady who takes him to the Bob Dylan concert? Oh, <laughs> fucking, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Popeye's Shelley girlfriend. Long. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Shelley Long. Popeye's girlfriend. She's in The Shining. Too. In The Shining, yeah. I'm what does she say about having sex with him? Uh, 
having sex with you was so Freudian. Or, or, no, or, it, no, it was Kafkaesque. Kafkaesque, yeah, that's right. And he's like, wow, that's great. And she's like, it's oh, meant as a compliment. And he's like, whatever. I love the, the one-liner where he's like, Hey, don't knock masturbation. I'm making love with... So, I, I, it's I, sex with someone I love. Sex with someone I That's love. That's great. I love in the Shelley Long scene where he says... <laughs> where she's like, the, uh, uh, who is it that they're going to see? Is it the Maharish or whatever? I can't remember. She and talks like, about Bob Dylan. He's like, it's like he's God. And he's like, oh, here's your God coming out of the bathroom right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking great. You know, I mean... It's just such a, like you said, just honest relationship movie. There's just a lot of depth to it, but still really funny and light the whole time. There's not Definitely. really that much depressing stuff in it, you know? So no, and I mean, the stuff that is is so spot on and beautifully done yeah. that it's it hurts in such the right way if you're like, God, that's exactly how I felt during when that happened to I, me. Like, where. The ghost image of her gets up and sits down across That's from right, him and yeah. watches. He has to smoke weed to yeah, watches to while, they, while he's trying to have sex. And, and but of course, and then he breaks the fourth wall <coughs> again and actually talks to her ghost. Like that's mm-hmm. really yeah. creative. The uh, I thought probably on top of the lobster scene, the lobster recreation scene, I should say. Mm-hmm. The hardest part, the one of the hardest scenes I thought was the almost the very end where he they're doing the play of. Basically, their oh, relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she comes back to him and says, I love you. For, yeah. Forget about it. And he's like, and he looks at the camera and he's like, What do you expect? What did you want play? me to do? It's my first play. <laughs> yeah. I know. I thought that but was great because it is exactly just as, just as well, fucking cringeworthy, man. Yeah. Oh, of course you would. <laughs> totally cringeworthy. Um, a couple other things worth noticing. One of them, probably this is the most important thing I have to say about this entire movie is that Goodwill Hunting ripped this fucking movie off <laughs> with the let's kiss now so that we don't oh, have to totally. do it later. Yep. <laughs> It'll help us digest. It even in the word fucking... Word for word. Yeah, almost. word yeah. for word in the fucking... Uh, name and When he says it, he says the same fucking thing. It'll help us digest our food better. There won't be the pressure later. And it's yep. like, dude... It was like 1977. Do you really think nobody fucking remembers that movie? <laughs> that was the one thing about Goodwill Hunting. When that happened, I was like, Ooh. "Hey, they won Academy Award." <laughs> Ooh, I'm on the I'm on the precipice. I don't know, but that's right. I I you know I saw that, and it's this is kind of one of those movies where if you haven't seen it and you watch it, you know, 20 years, 30 years after it comes out, you see it's kind of like Boys in the Hood with you where you you've seen these parts before in other movies or people quoting exactly them, you know? yeah yeah and and you're just like that's where it's originally from and yeah this is the one that it came from more better here more better more better <laughs> why not well but with so many other movies too like high fidelity the the breaking the fourth wall to talk to the camera mm-hmm. and then you know sort of it uh uh that unabashed, like I said, sort of warts and all looking at like, yeah, I'm a douchebag and I did this, sorry. Yeah. Like that I think this movie is where all of that kind of stuff stems from. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. Couple of the things totally worth mentioning. We we have to mention the classic Marshall McLuhan uh movie line scene where he says, uh she's like, just ignore him and he's like, I can't he's spitting oh, on my neck. That's great. Yeah. And he turns around and he goes Marshall McLuhan, what the hell are you talking about? And he's like, what, I can't say my opinion? And he's like, you don't even know anything about Marshall McLuhan. Oh, You've probably I... never even seen any of his films. He's like, oh, I think I do. I happen to teach a class on film and television. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, yeah, well, I happen to have Marshall McLuhan right here. And he walks over, and just like from behind one of those like movie stand-up posters, he pulls him out and he goes, 
He goes, I heard what you had to say, young man, and how you ever got to teach a class about anything is completely beyond me. You know nothing of my work. I love little That's shit like just, that. Um, that. That one in particular is probably one of the best of, of, of anything of that example. Oh, God. You know, well, that, and so many times have I been in the movie theater or just in any line and somebody's saying something like yeah. that. Oh, An the worst expert. is like, oh, like, oh, the worst is like in Blockbuster or something where people are going through every movie and like, oh, this one is, I like this one because of this and you're just like, you have the worst. Yeah, and then you hear, hear some you. guy going, well, you know what you didn't know about that movie is blah, 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 and you're thinking like, no, they didn't. You're full of shit. You want to say that, but yeah, you, know? you don't know anything that they're talking about. And that's when you want McLuhan to step out and say, look. Yeah, yeah, and for him to idiot. come. Yeah, I heard what you had to say. <laughs> oh, you ever got to teach a class on anything? Um, that's great. I, I think uh, the other one that I really want to mention is in the very beginning when he's wondering uh, what became of the kids in his elementary school and the one kid's yeah, like, good. the best one, he's like, I used to be a heroin addict, now I'm a methadone addict. Yeah. And then the other little girl's like, I'm into leather. Yeah. That shit's fucking just great. Yeah. Um, really creative original stuff. I don't know, you know, and the way that it, it wrapped it up with the bookends of the, the, you know, where he's just facing the camera and telling the old vaudevillian jokes at the beginning and then the old vaudevillian joke at the end and just the idea that... He's not facing the camera, but he's doing the same monologue type thing. He is at the very, very end. He comes back I on and like he talks about the... I thought it was like the street corner where they separate. Isn't that the end? Oh, maybe... Yeah, no, he comes back on and he, he talks about that... Uh, after the play, after they're redoing the play, he kind of talks to the camera for a minute, but the actual... Yeah, you know, I guess I'd the be, very end is in that, yeah, 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 where saying, yeah. The, the book ends of him saying, you know, but when he, that when he love, goes, is, love is insane and it doesn't make any sense, but at the end of the day, most of us need the eggs. Need the eggs, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and that's, uh, you know, when, when he goes back and he sees Annie again, you know, years after he's over her or whatever, and realizes what a great person she is, and you know, it's just... When you're trying to get over somebody, you never realize that, you know, and you always look for the little nitpicky shit to pick mm -hmm. out, and that's totally what this movie oh, yeah. covers. You know, oh, yeah, well, and then, you know, even just the great sentimentality of the song coming back at the end again that she sings, and, you know, of the way... The way we were. That's right. Like, yeah, it's that's just really like, oh, ow, I love that first, ow. the first time she sings. and Oh, God, you hear the phone ring and people yeah. coughing and shit. And you're just like, oh, my Lord. Anyways, um, well. It's a great movie, yeah, you know. It's a terrific movie. It, it just really is. And I, I think that there's, I think that it's proof that, uh, you know, for uh, if you haven't seen, um a lot of movies like this and people are telling you to go and see it, there, there's a reason why the movies stick around. For sure. There just is, you know? I mean, it's not so people can be like, well, my favorite movie is Annie Hall, so they can seem intellectual. It's it's, it's a fucking great movie. Yeah, there's so, a um, okay. Well, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, I think we are going to listen to a song by God's Revolver called Roca del Des Desierto, Desierto something. <laughs> I don't know. So it's yeah, something. It's, it's some shit. So anyway, we're gonna listen to that, and uh, when we come back, we're gonna do the burbs, the burbs, and uh, yeah, we have some announcements. So oh yes, we do. All right, see you in a second.
film festival portion of a damn podcast is sponsored by Brewies Cinema Pub. Try something new, the Brewies Experience. Great food, film, and brew inside the theater with the big screen. All at great prices, Utah's only cinema pub. 677 South, 200 West, Salt Lake City, Utah, 21 or older with ID. Phone number 801-355-5500, and you can also go to brewies.com to get the current schedule. That's Brewies Cinema Pub. Well, we are professional. Yeah, I, say. I think so too. So that's our new sponsor is uh, yeah, we Brewies. We have a sponsor, guys. We're yep. professional. Like Definitely. So uh, Brewies uh, Cinema Pub, it's a local thing, obviously, so... Uh, you know, if you're over 21 and you like to eat and drink beer and watch a movie, it's a pretty awesome place. If you like so. to eat beer. And uh, we're going to try and figure out a way. We have a bunch of two-for-one things that we can give away. We're going to try and figure out a way to get those to listeners that want them, that maybe a trivia question or something. We're going to have to figure something out. But See, the trivia question thing would be hard, though, because of the internet. So it's not just like somebody could, could write in. So Yeah, that's a good point. We'll have to come up with something better than that. Okay, well, uh, let's get on to our continuation of the Joe Dante Festival. I guess the final... This is the final installment of the Joe uh, Dante Film Festival. We are doing the verbs. 1989, when, Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher. When was the last time you saw this movie? Actually, probably just a couple months ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's been a while for me. Um, First of all, how the fuck did they do that beginning? Uh, with the uh, where it's where it's the yeah where it's yeah yeah universal and that I don't know it's pretty cool though it looks amazing I like how they never really say I mean I guess you could probably get an idea where they are at in the United States but they never really say yeah when they zoom in it looks great though the way it oh, zooms yeah. in like that it's so fucking cool very cool um basic premise uh something strange is afoot on Mayfield Street antics yep and uh strew. <laughs> I'm just coming up with words. No, it was good. Instrue. I like that one. Um, it was some weird neighbors move in uh, to this area of the suburbs. and uh, Mayfield Place. Yes, yes. And uh, I, that's pretty much it. Is they're trying to figure out who the hell these people are. And, and of course you have a bunch of wacky-ass neighbors. Yeah, yeah. It's Bruce Dern is probably my favorite. Bruce... I don't know, Art is pretty awesome. <laughs> who the hell is that guy? His name is Rick... You know, I can't pronounce his last name. Rick starts with a D, docu... What, has he done anything else? I, I know he has. He's one of those guys that looks familiar, but he needs to. Cause he's he's amazing in the burbs. Yeah, I thought he was fucking great. I know he's done something else. I can't put my finger on it, though. Um, yeah, and there, uh, there's all the goofiness of the dog pooping on, on Bruce Dern's lawn. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, they have he has a little, like electronic thing that his American flag goes <laughs> yeah. up on and they have to salute him while it goes up. His gear is sweet. Yeah. Like the stuff he's wearing, you're just like, oh man. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, I love the soundtrack to it. I love the music. Like, there's the little part where the dog's running around, r- running around and the music's like... There's a lot of organ music, actually. That's, and I noticed that also in The Howling where there's a lot of... Yeah, like the big church organ yeah. sounding thing. Yeah, it's on, like on it's just, evil. Yeah, more on the the haunting parts, I should definitely. I guess. But still, it's something I noticed throughout most of his movies. There's a lot of really funny shit in this movie, actually, man. Like there's just the part where they're talking about the new neighbors, the Clopex, in there, and Art comes over and he's and uh, he's telling he's talking about everything, and it's sort of setting up the premise of the movie. Yeah, uh, as he's talking to Carrie Fisher and Tom Hanks characters. But if you notice him, like he finish off, he finishes off a plate of uh, <laughs> yeah, pancakes, and then he goes over in the fridge and he comes back 
with a tray full of ribs and a whole pineapple. Well, I don't and know, a thing of, of maple syrup all in his arms no, while he's talking. And he finished the maple syrup and he threw the empty maple syrup thing in the fridge. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, that. did he yeah. really? <laughs> he threw it in the well, fridge. Well, I love them where he's talking, you know, they're talking about it and he's uh, he's eating a rib and the kid's eating an apple and they're both like, <laughs> and talking to each other. Like, that shit's fucking well, funny. Well, there's a little, little hilarious shit like even at the very beginning where the paper boy throws the paper and he throws his coffee at him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just little <laughs> shit like that. Just classic. Art is just awesome. Though. Art's, he's an amazing character. Like, the <laughs> whole the, the whole show. story about the, uh, uh, um, the guy that's the soda jerk and whatever and blah 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 like <laughs> that that kills his whole family and he's oh, like right. he's an all right guy he's not that smart i mean you think about it he's 42 he's wearing a paper hat and serving you up frosties i mean the guy's <laughs> not gonna run for mayor he's <laughs> just like fuck that's brilliant man like there's tons of antics and just i don't know it's there's some great too stuff much time on their hands really dante-esque like the lights that come from the clopex basement when the, the first time yeah. that generator kicks on and it looks it's like the same light setup as when the gremlins uh, come out of the fucking YMCA pool. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like the fog and those lights. I was like, yeah, that's okay. That's this is the same guy. And, you know. And so, and I was looking for our two same guys. Are, and, and they're, they're the garbage men. Garbage men. Yeah, they're great. Yep, the cowboy, um, and then uh, the, the the yeah the guy who plays the cowboy and that plays the main werewolf and the howling is uh, one of is the garbage man who's trying to get the other one to come to a. Uh, some like weird healing hippie thing, hippie yeah. thing or whatever. They and then, great, though. and then the other guy <laughs> we is. We really should uh, learn their names. We should learn their names. <laughs> well, Mark Middlemiss will just email us and yeah. tell us their names. So, uh, but and then the other one, who's the helicopter pilot, and he's in Gremlins, the one that knows who the Gremlins are. Yeah, he's in all of them. He's I, in all of them. Of them the are in all cab them. driver. I think. I think every single one of the. Uh, yeah. Is that right? Every single one of them. Both those of guys them are, are in. All, each of them. Except Gremlins. for Explorers. No, he's in Explorers, the cowboy, yeah. But uh, the cowboy isn't in Gremlins, yeah. I think that's the only... He might be. We just don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why he needs him for every other movie. And not that one. And then, uh, what? like you, we mentioned before, when we did Inner Space, the, gr- uh, the girl at the supermarket, who uh, she's... It is, uh, is Bruce Dern's wife in this, yeah. So. I love that. We're, uh, and, and let's talk about Corey Feldman for a minute, who's just amazing. And oh, he's, he's like, perfect. Hey, Mrs. J., no and like tan lines. no tan lines, and she's like totally bent over, and her entire ass is hanging out. It's like no tan lines. He's like looking good, and she looks over, and Bruce Dern's like, "A kid next door is a meatball." Yeah, <laughs> it's just fucking great. Um, I like all the. I like uh, you know, it's it's a weird it's it's a weird commentary that there's sort of this. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be like, oh, the other, you know, these neighbors, like, we think that they're evil, and then they're not evil, but then it turns out they really are evil, For and, sure. and it, that's kind of like a weird twist on that. Uh, I mean, it's still funny, and it doesn't matter. I My, mean, it uh, starts off being a social commentary, and then it's just like, bleh. There's tons okay. of great scenes, but I would probably have to say my crowning favorite scene is when they go over to visit the Klopax with the four of them. <laughs> it's the fucking sardine. Yeah, and he's peeling the <laughs> wallpaper off. <laughs> he peels it and he puts it back up the there. The best line of the movie is, uh, he's like, about a nine on the tension the scale, scale there. <laughs> yeah, about a nine on the tension scale there, Rube. That's amazing. Hair Klopek. You know, I don't have, like, a ton to say. It's obviously great. I mean, we could quote good parts the whole time. I, mean, um, I thought, you know, some of the more uh, Dante-esque things uh, definitely would be, uh, 
the whole like Ray, Ray, you're chanting Ray. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. And there's that. And then like once he's reading about demonology, and then he goes, "This is the most Dante's thing." Is he's on flipping through the TV channels, and first there's a human sacrifice on one channel. The The next channel is the Exorcist. And the next channel is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Yeah. Right? And then he goes, to, like, those are the three movies that are all on at the exact same <laughs> yeah. I want his TV set up, man. That looks great. <laughs> and then he and then he has the dream that he's on the giant barbecue yeah. grill. And and they're and if you notice in the dream sequence, they all are chant they're all chanting Satan is good. <laughs> Satan is our pal. That's what they're all chanting. I thought that was great. Um the femur scene where the dog brings the bone. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Ray, this is this is uh uh what was the old guy's name that, that's Walter. missing? This is Walter. And they go, ah! And the and camera pins in, out, in yeah. and out. And, like, yeah. that's just funny as hell. Yeah, um, <laughs> I thought that was great. It was cool to see Carrie Fisher doing something that's, again. She like, looks great, too. She looks really great yeah. in that one. I agree. Best since Return of the Jedi looks yeah. that I can think of. I would totally agree. Um, You know, it just reminded me of what a great uh, comedy actor Tom Hanks. I know, yeah. You he know, really like, needs to do more he just can again. really, he can really fucking uh, lay that stuff on, and it's great. He really does um, a great job. <laughs> is this Feldman's most woe dude role? He's in a lot of woe dude roles. But I mean, is this really the pinnacle of the, I love this street, man. You gotta come over, it's gonna be live. Yeah. I think it's like next to, next, I mean, it's it's very much the 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 beginning of where, of why he ended up being a Leonardo, yeah, like, Leonardo on, uh, on uh, uh, or Michelangelo, Michael, I'm sorry, I'm on Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Like yeah. it's, this is the cusp right before that. Well, and I think he was kind of that guy in License to Drive too, though. <laughs> he is, but I, I still think that this maybe is the most. This concentrates on it more, I guess. That was like. I already real... called the pizza dude. Yeah, like of it's pizza so, dude. Yeah, that's so much more of that. <laughs> that line right there probably got him the Ninja Turtles. Role. It probably did. Whoa, pizza! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Uh, it just reminds me of the fucking robot chicken Reaganomics. I don't know if you ever saw their Ninja Turtle thing. Uh-huh. And it really is Corey Feldman, and for oh, some reason that's, so that's what awesome. he says in a line. Reaganomics! <laughs> which I just think is fucking great. Um, yeah, the whole, like, message of this, like, suburban thing, though, it's kind of weird, because it seems like it's maybe about 20 years too late mm-hmm. for when they did it in 89. Like, yeah. that that should have been something in the 70s of making fun of the suburbs. It seems like it was a little past its... It's prime, maybe. Yeah, it I mean, but I mean, it's so stupid and goofy that it's absolutely fine, though. And I really do think this is, you know, where where Joe Dante always, you know, we've seen throughout uh, doing this film festival of his stuff that he he was getting further and further away from caring what what Hollywood thought and if people gave him a movie to do. This he was is gonna one go, of the yeah. later movies, though, right? You know what? This is really. Uh, I was looking at it and. Since the Burbs, Burbs was eighty nine. Uh, after that, we have uh, the Gremlin, Gremlins to the new batch, mm-hmm. um, and then in nineteen ninety three, I want to say he came back into the movie Matinee with uh, uh, John Goodman. Okay. That's about the nineteen fifties like schlock uh, uh, horror cinema stuff with uh, where they would do all the big gags to try and in get the people theater, into yeah, the theater. I think, I I think it's yeah. about the movie Them with the giant ants and all that. And uh, he had a little bit of a comeback with that, and that is it. I mean, after that, he was doing, he was directing TV show stuff. And, you know, I know a lot of it from reading his bio is that he just fucking gave up. He just hate, he just didn't like really 
making movies because of all the trouble that it caused him, you know. Um, apparently, uh, he, you know, he he's uh, he's doing those masters of horror movies. Oh, okay. um, one of me did uh, the screw fly. The screw fly solution is actually supposed to be kind of good, so huh. I'm going to check it out. I want to. I've read the short story. I want to check it out, and I'll I'll come back and and, and let you know what that's I've, like. Uh, I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody drive their trash out to the curb and beat the hell yeah. out of it with a stick. I've never seen anybody do that. <laughs> you ever seen anybody do that, right? Um, on IMDb, they had uh, this is kind of interesting, and I think kind of going along with this something uh, worth talking about. Uh, two, they said two of Joe Dante's trademarks. One of them was that every movie that he's made has always had some reference to Warner Brother cartoons because he loves them. He's obsessed with Warner Brother cartoons. Huh. And if you, I started thinking back through them, and I'm like, yeah, every single one of them, there's at least some reference to uh, to a Warner Brother cartoon, whether you're showing a clip of it somewhere in the movie or a poster or like, you know, I was trying to even think of like, well, what about Inner Space? And then I thought. Oh, he has the little uh, uh, pull string Bugs Bunny. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, every single one of them has that. That's one of them. The other one they said is that in every single one of his movies, there's always either a TV show or a movie inside the movie that explains what's going on in the movie. So, like, the horror channels and stuff like that? Yeah, like that and this, you know, yeah, like the horror channel, uh, horror movies uh, in, in the Burbs, uh -huh. or uh, the drive-in movie in Explorers, yeah, you know, okay. there were, there, there's the yeah, aliens. Um, in, in Gremlins, uh, you know, there's the whole thing where Gizmo's watching the car chase scene, and then later he does it, you know, like That's every right. single one of them, I guess. It's one huh. of his trademarks is That's that. Cool. And then one of the other trademark, trademarks, like what you've talked about, are... Those at, uh, you always using these same actors in his movies. Yeah, somewhere of course. In and we've it, talked know. about that a lot, of course. So, but I thought that was really interesting. Like those are some things that once I thought about, it, I was like, "Yeah, that is kind of that." That's and in cool. its own way, it is kind of breaking that fourth wall of like nudge, nudge. We're watching a movie, you know, like which so, I like. Like uh, it's pretty cool. Since this is kind of the final part of the festival, what would you say would be your favorite out of all of them? Are? I guess the most, I guess I would say the the one that held up, I, I'd, I'd say the one that is my favorite to watch would be The Burbs. Yeah. Uh, the one that held, held up the most nostalgia would be Inner Space, mm -hmm. and the one that was the biggest surprise would be The Howling. For sure. That's pretty much, I mean, I think that that, and then the one that didn't hold it up was probably Gremlins. Or Explorers. Yeah. I almost Grem. I I really thought I was gonna like Gremlins more than I did. Yeah. I really thought I was going to. So I mean, but but you know, Ex Explorers. I had watched it recently, and so I remembered enough about it that, of kind of what it was. Yeah. But but I'm glad we did this. And I the only the the only uh, really bummer part is that uh, you know after all this, Joe Dante kind of fell off the map. You know, it's yeah. really too bad because through pretty much all of his movies, including even Explorers, like. Explorers on its own merit is a fucking great kids movie. For sure. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's still really creative and it looks really great. And so I mean with all of these you kind of go, "Boy, that's really sad that like, you yeah. know." I'm glad we did it. It's really I'd like it, it gives us a, an excuse to watch stuff we haven't seen in a while or haven't seen at all. Definitely. You and know? so speaking of that, yeah. uh next week we're going to start our new film festival. Yes, and we got lots of suggestions. It's going to be our western Film Westival. Film the Film Westival. There you go. So you got a bag. Uh, uh, five westerns. Uh, we basically, got, we got them from uh, different people. Yeah, we got lots suggestions. of suggestions uh, of stuff, but we kind of picked the the most uh, 
suggested ones, really. Maybe there's one or two that we kind of just picked that we just wanted to see. So. Right. Um, and I think that the five that we're going to do is going to be High Noon, The Wild Bunch, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and then we'll finish it off with The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly just to get in one good classic. of. I mean, they're all classics, but that's really probably the pinnacle. I've never seen Good, Bad, and the Ugly. So I... You know, I've seen Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and I've seen Butch Cassidy. Uh, the other three I haven't seen. I haven't either. Uh, I, other than Butch Cassidy, I think. But even long. both of those I haven't seen for a really long, long time, time. And so this is going to be great. I can't wait. And so I think next week we're going to start with The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And... Uh, that will start the the next uh, film festival. Yeah, that's and we're gonna try and link up uh, one of these movies. They're gonna show it at Bruvies, and so we'll Hopefully, let you guys or if know. It, if it's not one of these, it may be uh, the next film festival, or the, or, or, or the or next just movie main one doing. that we do. Yeah. We're not really sure. We're, you know, we're kind of in the works with Bruvies on what exactly we're gonna do. But hopefully, if you are, you know, you do live in Salt Lake and you do want to go see the uh, movie that we're gonna review in the theater. That is an older one. They're gonna be really. Uh, I think compensating with uh, showing that because they do have free movies every Monday night, and they also do um, they also do like a film buff series. I think recently they're doing Terrence Malick, where they're showing Badlands and uh, oh yeah, they're yeah. showing Badlands and Days of Heaven. Ooh, um, I'm gonna go to Badlands, and uh, you know Badlands is actually uh, I think coming up. So um, cool, you know, very so, cool. And, um, yeah, and we'll we'll announce at the end of the show what is going to be playing in the upcoming weeks there. But uh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for the Western Film Festival. I'm really excited about it. Film Festival. Film Festival. That's yes. what I meant. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, do you, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break? Um, when we come back, uh, I will be doing That's my right. uh, <laughs> punishment uh, essay about the Larry the Cable Guy movie, Delta Farce. Oh, I can't uh, wait. Right now we're going to listen to a song by Blue Collar Line. I believe it's called Hardship Through the Stars. So we'll be right back.
Open letter to the makers of Delta Farce. As I prepared to watch Delta Farce and was faced with the true ramifications of not one, not two, but three, mind you, trailers for Dane Cook movies, an advertisement for the Redneck Roundup 2, and a NASCAR commercial, I wondered what Larry and company had in store for me. I knew the premise that three bumbling army reservists bound for Iraq are accidentally dropped into a Mexican village, wherein we would be treated to such hilarious hijinks as Mexican civilians being held at gunpoint, resident bad guy Danny Trejo singing Blondie covers at his 
Bandito Karaoke Bar because that's really funny. And poor, poor Keith David accidentally drinking DJ Qualls urine from a canteen. Please, Keith David, go back to John Carpenter. Even They Live Part 2 would be better than this. C.B. Harding, after directing the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, the Blue Collar Christmas Special, the Blue Collar One for the Road Tour, the Blue Collar Next Generation, as well as Ron White, Bill Ingevalls, and Jeff Foxworthy's television specials, and let's don't forget Larry the Cable Guy's Christmas Spectacular, did you wonder to yourself, what other tales do these nefarious, drunken, backwoods, inbred bigots have to tell? Did it occur to you that perhaps there was a place in the world for an action comedy involving world diplomacy, a farcical romp through the eyes of three mindless, mentally retarded men who somehow have gotten to middle age without understanding simple, socially acceptable behavior, like not making sexual advances on women that you don't know, or maybe keeping one's homophobia to oneself? Or that the simple concept about the inner workings of, say, the deployment of troops by the U.S. Army, or that most modern Mexican towns don't have pueblos made of adobe and mariachi bands playing in the streets? It's like they've hired a group of nine-year-olds to write the screenplay for this movie. I've seen more realistic portrayals of life in episodes of Briscoe County Jr. or Xena Warrior Princess. And to the ha-ha writers of this movie, thank you so much for including a love interest for our hero Larry, whose character in the film, incidentally, to alleviate any confusion during shooting, is also named Larry. The inclusion of scenes involving Larry and an actually intelligent and attractive senorita were especially vomit-inducing. Watching his huge head lolling about his shoulders like an encephalitis patient, huffing and gibbering in what one can only assume is the closest that the cable guy can get to acting, and staring at the prospective love interest with two beady eyes the sizes of dimes is truly visual epicac. And Danny Trejo, you might as well get a webcam site and take your clothes off online for horny, horny teenagers. You've sold your soul to the lowest bidder. Don't get me wrong, bro. I'll still come and see you the next time that you're in a Robert Rodriguez movie, but I'll never be able to look you in the eye again. Finally, to everyone involved in this movie, I have an interesting question. I realize I'm paraphrasing Brad Pitt in Seven here, but... When you're a writer, director, actor, or, and I use this phrase loosely here, comedian from this genre, and you look around at the Pat Oswalds of the world, the Judd Apatows, the Jack Blacks, the Will Ferrells, and on and on and on and on and on, and your parents want you to bring over that new funny movie that you starred in because mom couldn't go to the opening night because the theater it was playing in, didn't have wheelchair ramps, and Lord knows how long it would take to get her fat ass out of that rascal that she uses all the time now, and you think about all these great comedians and actors, and you're staring at your Delta Farce. DVD and you suddenly get so goddamn embarrassed because you realize how much fucking time you've all wasted on something that isn't even remotely funny. What keeps you from putting the cold steel of the NRA issued fully automatic freedom rifle right to the bare arms barrel in your mouth and letting her rip? What? No answer? Tell you what, Larry. It might just put everyone, yourself included, out of misery. Come on, buddy. Let's get her done. <laughs> Wow. All right. So how many times did they say get her done? Did you take a tally? I lost count. <laughs> Was it just a million? <laughs> I don't even know. As you can see, it, it made me a little angry. Yeah, you were genuinely uh, pissed off. Yeah. So you enjoyed it then. I fucking loved it, once again. Um, <laughs> was that and a good punishment movie? It was great. And actually, I was going to wait to pull out the big guns, but I'm going to go ahead and do it now. You, my friend, are watching Date Movie. Ooh. Made by two of the guys that brought you scary movie. Ugh, so that's just bad. Yep. So uh, yeah, I'm nothing worse you... than watching people trying to be funny. Well, I'm glad you didn't make me watch superhero movie, the uh, newest. Uh, I think Dave movie will be worse. Oh God, that's yeah. bad. Yep. Okay. Well, so it's anyway, Theodore Rex, but I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hold on one second. All right. Uh, 
Should we get into our top five? Let's do the top five. All right. Top five honest relationship movies. Yeah. So you said you kind of just picked the run of the mill. I, I mean, I think for the most part, I did. Okay. Well, I'll, I kind of tried to do a little. I, there's a couple that are obvious ones that probably should be on there that I just didn't put on there because I figured you'd say it. If not, we'd mention it and at least right. Talk about yeah, a bit, for sure. So. Um, but I tried to do, a, eh, I don't know, they're really probably not that much different. But Why don't you start off with your number five? Okay, um, one of the <coughs> movies that, well, I won't say, one of the movies I didn't choose was High Fidelity because it's obvious, kind of one that should go in the vault. <laughs> it should never really be on the top five. Cause yeah, it's, it's on mine. But... It, that's fine, yeah. And, and it, I figured it might be, and that's one of the reasons. But I did the next best thing, but I did uh, Lloyd Dobler and Say Anything. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I, you know, I love Cameron Crowe at times, and uh, I think uh, it's really, you know, we've all been the dorky guy sitting at 7-Eleven drinking beer, talking yeah. about girls, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. know? you know, and it's just, uh, Lloyd Dobler is, the, you know, I mean, that, he pretty much, that we talk about Diane Keaton playing a role that kind of defines their acting career and that keeps playing that John role. Cusack, too, yeah, John for Cusack sure. John Cusack has Lloyd Dobler, you know, but... You know, the whole thing, uh, you know, just trying to get the popular girl, and she's not even really popular, she's just smart, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, he just, for some reason, is really attracted to her, and just, you know, it's just a really sweet story. It is a really and sweet story. And it is story. honest, you know, I think, uh, uh, like, you know, you know, she gave me a pen. You yeah, know? You yeah, know, Stuff yeah. like that, you know. It broke it's, my heart and gave me a pen. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's tons of great lines, and really, I think, uh, was probably the beginning of Cam Crow's career, where he started... Really starting to do some good stuff. I would agree with that, totally. But, no, I, I really love that movie. And I figure that's the next best thing to High Fidelity as far as relationship movies go. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. All right, your number five. Uh, my number five, and I know that you said that you kind of didn't like this movie, or I'm not sure, but it's Shop Girl. Oh, okay. Um, it was just all right. I didn't think it was anything special. I didn't think it was bad, though. I like Jason Schwartzman in it. I, I really liked it a lot, and I think that... I love Steve Martin, though. His movies are... They always, they kind of all seem like the same movie. But same really? Movie. See, this one seemed very different to me. I it guess, seemed very, very different. I guess I haven't seen enough of his movies, but I've read a lot of his books. And yeah. they all kind of seem like Shop Girl, I guess. Yeah, I guess I could see that I a little know. bit. I, I think that, uh, you know, it was really uh, interesting for uh, Steve Martin to create this character of this, you know, kind of shallow guy. And, like, you know, the fact that he's dating this much, much younger girl, you understand it. Uh really quickly through the movie because he just can't he can't connect and he can't commit you know and he's like he's not like of he's a douchebag the way a regular guy is a douchebag it's not some over the top thing like he's money too so well, he can yeah, pay for her college yeah well and and he does care about her he does want to take care of her but he obviously just it no cannot way. connect with people you know and 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 has this has this problem of being it's kind of a double life really almost you know? yeah in a way and and i just uh, i thought that was i thought that was one one element to it that really expressed like um you know a very true to life idea of a relationship where you know he's just stringing her along for so long and telling her these things that she wants to hear and and in the meantime you have jason schwartzman's uh schwartzman's character who in the beginning is just like <laughs> the worst possible boyfriend in the totally. world like he just like he they sleep together so and well. it's all so fucking awkward and just gross and <laughs> just like oh so you know well, yeah, but then you you know the fact that it continued to carry on with his storyline too yeah, yeah you know going off on tour with this band and all this and you don't you kind of don't understand where it's going yeah, kozlak too i think is the band yeah yeah and uh 
the the way that it ties back into the end where he is thinking about her all the time. And it's so funny because I've been that, I was that kid when I was younger that like, you know, really liked a girl and tried hanging out with her. But it and only like lasted got, a couple dates. Tried like copping a feel and got way too drunk the couple times we hung out. It was just a douchebag or whatever. And But then you kept thinking about that girl and you don't realize how much you're growing. And when you come back into that person's life, you know, all of a sudden it works and you're like, ah, she used to be a bitch, but now she's cool. And what you don't realize is you went through all this growth that you don't even realize, and 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 the you know the girl did too, but we're seeing it through her perspective more than his. So when he comes back into her life, it, she, he's exactly what she needs. And I, I thought that was really sweet, and I thought it was a really different way. It the the setup of the different characters in it, yeah. and the way things played out was very different than what I've ever seen I, in uh, a relationship style uh, uh, movie before. I. I definitely did like Jason Schwartzman's transition through the movie, and I liked, just like what you said, that they did continue his story. I'd kind of like for you to see it again. I own it, and the, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested for you to see it again. I remember just not really being that into it, because there is quite a few slow parts that I thought were just like, ah. Eh. But I, I, I can totally understand what you say, and, and, and uh, yeah, I guess it was just a little long and drawn out for me. If they would have cut, like, 20 minutes off, I probably would have liked a lot mm-hmm. more. But there, there I... I Great argument, and I do totally um, understand why it's a number five for mm-hmm. sure. Because that you know, now that I'm thinking about it, there is a lot of points that you don't really see in a lot of movies. Yeah, much more true to life than I yeah. think a lot of times. Because you know, Steve Martin uh, by the end of the movie, uh, it still isn't the bad guy, and he still really does care for her. But they've changed; they're not yeah. the same people anymore. And she's grown up and realizes here's this guy who's fucking broken. And I can't do anything with him, and he's way too old for me. And like he doesn't, he's but not going to be these things for me, yeah. you know. And I think that's I, I really like those elements. So that's my number five. Uh, your your number four. Okay, for my number four, let's go ahead and actually play a clip. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I left you at the hospital. I called the phone sex line. I called the phone sex line before I met you and four blonde brothers came after me and they hurt you and I'm sorry and then I had to leave again because I wanted to make sure you never got hurt again and and I have a lot of pudding and in six to eight weeks it can be redeemed so if you could just give me that much time I think I can get enough mileage to go with you wherever you have to go if you have to travel for your work because I don't ever want to be anywhere without you so could you just let me redeem the mileage you left me at the hospital I'm sorry you can redeem that okay if you just give me six to eight weeks I can redeem the mileage and I can go with you wherever you have to travel (laughs) <laughs> all right so uh that was obviously a clip from uh punch, punch drunk, drunk love, love. uh just really great i think really unique uh romantic really unique yeah, yeah like, i mean it's it's I, I love you so much i want to cave your head in yeah and just <laughs> <laughs> bash your head but in or whatever yeah. obviously there's almost too much honesty i guess if you could say but his character is just so sweet and he's 
he must have some form of autism or something. I don't know yeah, exactly yeah, what's wrong with him, like but that. it's really sweet just how much he finally connects with somebody oh, and how and much he tries. really goofy because it's just so well, it fucking like, strange. Well, and he's like breathing heavy because he ran with the organ the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. All the way up. Trying and, to tell her all this, like, just come it's clean really all sweet, And it's really honest, and he really just, you know, really connects with her and has this, you know, just epiphany of himself at the same time right when he's trying to be with her and she doesn't care how weird he is and she doesn't care you know i, I guess maybe in the real world they may not really get together but well i don't know though because she's kind of weird too yeah she has some things and it's one of those things too where you go well she's got to be kind of fucked up if she's like yeah i want to be with this dude. well and, and this first time i saw this maybe i was kind of like Really? P.T. Anderson? Like, I guess I was waiting for another Boogie Nights or Magnolia, and he throws this curveball right. of this movie, and it's really just original and just weird, you yeah. know? And just not like him at all. The cinematography is totally different, and music weird, is totally different. That, what's that weird color, the light color thing they Yeah, they have that they weird do, thing. Like I, I forgot the, what it's called, but, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and then uh, I, I almost picked a clip with Philip Seymour Hoffman where he goes to tell him <laughs> off. But uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the extra features on that one. Yeah. The, the Mattress Man commercial. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, the mat where he falls off. I can watch it. With that guitar. Times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot about that. I'm going to need to go watch Hilarious. that again. But I love that movie, and it's my number four. No, it's a great one. Uh, my number four is a uh, relatively little known movie. It's called Kicking and Screaming, and it's not the one with Will Ferrell about the soccer dad. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I believe it was from 1994. Um, it's uh, written and directed the first movie by Noel, uh, Noel Baumbach, who uh, wrote uh, The Life Aquatic and uh-huh, who yeah. wrote and directed the oh, Squid cool. and the Whale. Squid it's Mo, his yeah. first movie. And uh, Margot at the Wedding. <clears throat> right. That too. Yeah. It's his first movie, and uh, it's a comedy, and it's really fucking funny anyway. It's worth seeing just because the, the humor in it's just great. Yeah, I love um, uh, I love uh, Squid in the Whale. That's mm-hmm. great. Is it the same kind of comedy? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 more lighthearted than that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, basically just about a guy who uh, meets a girl like his, his second to last year in college and falls in love with her. And uh, there's other stuff. There's other characters in the movie. But the, the main tie-in story is this romance between him and this girl. And uh, when we when we start in the movie, she's already gone. She has uh, decided to study abroad, um, and she goes to Prague. And everything about their relationship, we just get in these flashback scenes. And so it's really sweet and it's really sad because you realize that, and uh, you know, she wanted to keep the relationship going, and he was so pissed at her that she just was going to leave. You know, like, leave, you're just going to leave me here kind of a thing. That even after she leaves, there's a great part where uh, he's at the local bar. And uh, uh, Eric Stoltz plays the bartender. And he's like, and the Eric Stoltz says, oh, yeah, she called me the other day. And he's like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, she said she's doing really great and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, she said you hadn't called her yet. And he's like, no, I want to. I totally want to. I just, you know, that, that 10-digit uh, number overseas it's really long, man. It's a really long. It's like you start dialing. It's a long fucking number. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's long. And it's like, it's just this like that the relationship falls apart because of his own wounded pride and his apathy. Uh-huh. And nothing more than that. Like there, there's nothing more 
uh, intense and tumultuous that happens. It's just that he's apathetic, and and there's an element of that I think, especially for for guys, that it is hard for us to to you know somebody that you're with wants to go off in the world and and experience all these things and. You know, much like in Annie Hall, you don't want it just because you kind of want to be a stick in the mud about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that ap- that apathy of that, like, plays this huge part. And it's just, it's so honest. And the way they talk to each other and the way he talks about her after she leaves is in this really, like, just, like, you know, yeah, I care, but, you know, what do you, there's TV shows to watch. What do you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind it's of a like thing. Lazy. It's just... I mean, lazy in a sense, but more than that, it's just like the 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 feeling of uh, the fear of being hurt because this person was willing to just go off and do all this stuff without you just because you said you didn't want to go. They didn't stay home with you, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, it's a really great movie, though. It's it's got a it's got a real special place in my heart. And uh, That's cool. I've never. I, I know I've seen the name around. But it I, is a I'm great movie. They actually cool. just re-released it on on uh, DVD with a bunch of special features last year. So well, I, like I still haven't picked it up. But have it's you seen Margot and the Wedding? I haven't. I haven't it, seen it. Don't that. waste your time. It's really really. That's too uh, bad. It's I mean it's it's kind of got the same feel as Squid and the Whale, but it's it's like these shitty people and their shitty lives saying shitty things to each other. Like right. The only redeeming part really is Jack Black's character. And, um, it's just, I don't know, I just hated the people, and, like, I didn't really enjoy it that much, you know, and it, I don't know, it's just, it wasn't done bad, it right. was just, story-wise, I was just like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know, it just was I it's nothing you'd ever, like, oh, let's pop that It's like watching a Todd Solomon's movie, yeah, or just like, like I hate these people, why do I want to see what happens to them? Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but anyways. Uh, your, your next, uh, your number, uh, my number uh, three, three? My number three is actually a different kind of relationship, in a way, I guess, but... Um, it's a father-son relationship movie, and I think it's extremely honest and just such a heartbreaking movie. Uh, it's Kramer and Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer, Kramer versus Kramer. Um, yeah. With uh, you know when I, I mean, obviously, it does have to do with um, Dustin Hoffman's wife and um, their divorce yeah. and everything. But the part that really just gets me every time is um, him basically getting stuck raising. Uh, his his son by himself, you right. know, and um, he's just totally lost. And I love the, the the bookends of them at the beginning at the beginning where it's kind of its first couple nights or weeks with him, and yeah. they're trying to make uh, French toast. Oh yeah, and then and then by the end they're doing it perfectly, and they got it down. It's yeah. just so sweet. And God, I haven't seen that movie oh, in so really long. Good. I'd love to see that one. It's again. a great one, and and Dustin Hoffman just does terrific like I mean, as far as just acting and i can't remember who played his wife in that it's somebody that's famous and i can't put, remember offhand right now but I i'm sure i'll i'm sure i'll look it up later but just a great movie and really honest as far as the relationship between the father and son oh definitely so, well and even even you know having been in a in a relationship that ended really ugly i mean i i've never gone through a divorce but i've seen some of my friends go through some and that aspect of it is done oh, to the yeah. nines. Like well, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff in it that you're just like they get in, they get wrapped up into these arguments, and you're like, oh fuck, like that's ugh. well, and a lot of it, it's funny enough, comes back to a, a line that um, is in Boys in the Hood, where she's like. You've just been doing what mothers have been doing for years. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You know, where oh, the that guy is gets such a great line. the guy gets stuck with the with the kid. And he's like, what the fuck? I don't know what to do, you yeah. know? But, like, she says in Boys in the Hood, 
you just been, you know, yeah. just been doing you, what you think you deserve a reward. Yeah, yeah, you're just yeah. Uh, I just, but it don't get me wrong, you're cute. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of comes back to the me for that, at least at first for him, where he's just like, and then it gets to the point, you know, where they're, you know, where they're fighting, and he doesn't want to let him go now. You know, mm-hmm. of course that's gonna come, kind of thing. But really sweet movie. And, Pretty depressing, actually. Definitely. Really good. Uh, my number three, and this is a really obvious one, but it's When Harry Met Sally. And yeah, it's and that not was, that just... That the other one, other than High Fidelity. It's not good. just... Uh, but, you know, I think a big part of it for me is not just uh, the the relationship um, that they're going through in it, but the one that Carrie Fisher and... Uh, what's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby, thank yeah. you. <laughs> the relationship that they go through in it too, yeah. you know, where you see them in, and there's the you know, the great conversation about the wagon wheel thing, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the like table. this <laughs> stupid ass Roy Rogers wagon wheel coffee table. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, you're gonna look back on this one day and you're gonna laugh about it, you know? Like there's just I, no. I think that there's a lot of I mean, and like I said, it's a very obvious one, but I think that there's a oh, lot of it stuff about it there, yeah. uh that's that is very uh very true to life and very poignant. In well, the, I, I think out of any movie that we can compare Annie Hall to, that would be a perfect Definitely, one, you know? yeah, yeah. As far yeah. as truthfulness and a different way of storytelling, because I really like how they span a long amount of time in that movie. A really long amount yeah. of time, yeah. yeah and they cool. do it really well, too, with sort of the conversations that they have and the kind of people that they are. And one of my favorite things about it, and uh, you know, Billy Crystal, th- this movie really shows, like, it's kind of sad that that he got into the whole like city slicker thing and doing these <laughs> comedies like that because i think that in in when harry met sally you know he starts off being this really glib know-it-all like who always has like a funny answer for stuff and by the end of the movie i mean he's just ragged you know and he has this look to him this intensity to him where like he's like completely in love with this girl and he's yeah. like like fucked it up he is fucked it up you know like he for so long wanted to be like, you know, oh, we're just buddies. And then like, oh, we're just buddies that, you know, fuck, but it's cool kind of a thing. And then like, by the end, like he is just ragging. And it's another one of those things where I can go back to a piece of my life and think like, oh, you dick, like, what are you doing? You know? And and there's, I, I, there, there's just so many moments like that in it that I think are, are, you know, and and that she really gives up on him at a at a point. And she's like, I don't want to get hurt anymore. Like, We've we've gone down this road way too many times. Like I'm done. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. And he, you know, has to just like try and 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 pull that back out of her. And I, I don't know. You know, it's it's like I said, it is a very obvious one. But at the same time, I do think that's no, worth it's definitely it's worth noting. You know, um, you know, that was one of the ones that I decided to keep off just because I figured it'd probably be on your list. And if not, we would have to we talk would talk about, about it either way. It really is. Yeah. You know, and actually, you know what? I I have a uh, one I can switch for high fidelity. We'll talk about that at the end. But I have a different one that I can switch for. Okay. So. Uh, for my number two, let's go ahead and listen to another short clip. You and these clips. Come on, wait till London with me. Come on, we write loads of songs and live in a nice flat. You can bring a van over. It'd be brilliant. Come on. Yeah, we go to London, and no one will ever find us again. No one. No. We we'll have a brilliant band. We'll sell out those places, and it'll be great. And we'll make an album together. Right, I'd love that. Come on. Yeah, and, and, and I'll do the backing vocals on it. Yeah, and play the piano. With... Yeah. Come on, serious. Can I bring my mother? <laughs> and you couldn't have picked a better clip. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is the pinnacle well, you know, and, and, of that movie. And is of that... course, that's uh, the Irish movie that just recently came out. Once. once. 
Um, but one of uh, my favorite movies, hands down, hands down, hands down. It's amazing. I mean, it really is. And a lot of people concentrate on the music they create through this movie, which is which uh, is fucking phenomenal. Of course, which is like the main aspect of it. But I had to pick that scene because it's the one that really like. You know, these people haven't really acted before, you know? And, they, and they're just wonderful. And it's when she's in there playing the piano. It's right after she plays the song for her that she wrote for her husband. Uh, and yeah. She's like, oh, he hated it. He's, she's, he's an idiot. And he's mm -hmm. like, fuck. And he's just, you can tell he's so in love with this girl. Yeah. But obviously the music plays such a huge part in this right, movie. Right, but then there's the whole other aspect of it where it's like, you know, I mean, he's this 40-something-year-old guy who's a busker and works at his dad's fucking... It sings on the street, you know, yeah. uh, vacuum cleaner store, and sings out. He's a busker. He sings out on the streets, and it's like she's. It was the great scene where he in, she invites him over to her place, and goes over there, and there's his, there's her mother, and there's her daughter. Yeah, and you see it on his face like this. Oh fuck! Like this is the fairy tale thing. You know, or even the part where he asks her to stay the night, and she well, tells him to go I, fuck himself. And I and I think the. <laughs> one of the most honest parts of the relationship and when he she's talking to him on the street because she approaches him you know and, yeah and she's like uh you know i i play piano and i know this music store let me go show you what i can do and as soon as they play that falling slowly song which is just like oh my god and just incredible well, that's kind of like the first time they kiss and it's even it even happens before that because you get that scene uh where she sits down and plays like a piece i think it's like chopin and he's just watching her play and he's that's when he falls in love. Just yeah. it's breaking his heart. Yeah, that's when he's like, "Oh my god!" Before that, she's like, "Oh, fix my vacuum." He's like, "Oh, yeah, fuck, whatever. whatever, just yeah. bring it, whatever." Yeah. And then at that moment, he's like, "Oh my god, I'm in love with this girl." Yeah. And, and then from then I totally on, agree about like, that being their first kiss, kind of a he, thing. Though, yeah. He, he's like a little puppy through the whole rest mm -hmm. of the movie. Just like, please, especially in that part where he's just. And even at the end, afterwards, he's like, "Come over," and she agrees, and then she bails. But there's that little laugh that he does right at the end of that clip, which is that injection of reality back into his dream where he's saying you know like oh you could come with me we could get a flat in london we could just sit and make music and blah 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 you could bring the kid like we'll just totally do this it'll be awesome and then she's mm -hmm. like you know can my mother come and he just yeah. does that laugh and then she goes yeah let's get back in the studio and make some more music yeah you know, let's let's go back down the hall such and, an incredible movie it and should i be it, my it number one could have it could not have ended in any better way no, and like you said before, I think on a past show, if this was made in America, they would have fucked at the end. Yep, or they'd be fucking through the whole thing. Yeah, and then he'd chase after her in an airport, <laughs> right? Like some something like that would have happened totally. where you're just like, ugh, all right, yeah, you well, know. Um, um, so I'm play the clips. Yo, that was great. No, I, you know, I got to give you a hard time. I all right, give what's you your number time. two? Uh, my number two, which was going to be high fidelity, I switched it up uh, with one of my honorable mentions, and I'll go ahead and do it as my number two. And it is uh, a movie uh, that I think it's a fucking love this movie, and it deals really well with relationship, but not it's a relationship between it, it's like it's like the guy's version of a chick flick, and it's about a boy. Oh, okay. And it's this relationship that he builds with this this kid, and that he find he finds these paternal instincts in, inside of him. And this way of connecting with this kid that's very that's very outside of anything that he even knows or understands. I mean, he only talks about his father a little bit, and it's all sort of like bleak and weird, and you don't understand a lot of it. And this kid's fucking weird. 
like once again like it's like this kid has some form of autism or something like there's something kind of wrong with him like yeah. he's kind of out there but it's this unfolding and and there is the same kind of give and take as there would be in a re- in a relationship movie where a guy is trying to court a girl it's like this kid is fucking bored and he's fascinated with this guy for some reason and just wants to spend time around him you know and it's just really sweet and i think that it's really strange in in a lot of ways it takes some twists and turns i don't it's think it's the that guy you... who uh directed american pie too isn't it i don't know who directed it but it is nick hornsby that, that wrote it yeah um high fidelity once yeah again. high fidelity once again yeah and uh, another reason why i switched it out but uh you know i just think it's a really great movie yeah, i think it, it has uh, uh I, I don't remember anything super specific that really stuck with me but really you yeah. need to see it I'll, i'm gonna send you home with it because i fucking love it because he's so shallow and he kind of never really stops being shallow like there's the part where the kid's mom attempts suicide and they have to put her into yeah, okay, in, into the ambulance and they're driving along and he's following behind him in his sports car and he's like it was really fucked up and i was really worried but i have to admit it was exhilarating driving that fast behind the ambulance you like were, he fucking says that and you're like you douchebag and you talk a lot of shit on you grant too i do but this movie i fucking actually there's two movies that i really love hugh grant in and this is one of them and the other one that's funny I mean, it's funny that I'm saying this movie. What? What what is it? Tell me. I was going to say that it's it's a fucking uh, god-awful movie. It's a terrible movie, but I love him in it. Uh, uh, The fucking... Diary, the the what's her name's diary, oh, the, the fat diary. girl, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, her. Renee but he Zell- plays a total douchebag in it, oh, okay. and he's great. But I love him in that. Uh, and actually, for weddings and a funeral, I love him in that too. What did you think I was going to uh, say? Notting Hill. I thought you were going to say that. Maybe. You know, I've never seen it. It's actually he does a pretty good job. It's pretty funny. That's you know. I don't, you know, I don't hate Hugh Grant. No. I mean, like Four Weddings and a Funeral, fucking great, man. The first, the first six lines of dialogue he has in it is the word fuck. <laughs> The movie starts, it's like, yeah, they just fuck, fuck, fuck is the whole beginning. Like, I like that. But anyway, <laughs> so that's my number two, though, is about a boy. I think it's a great movie. All right. My number uh, one is, I mean, it's an honest relationship movie. It's more just because I love the movie. And it's like my, apparently my Dustin Hoffman top five, but it's Tootsie. <laughs> <laughs> Tootsie. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm We're doing of, honest relationship I'm movies. More of a man have of you <laughs> have you actually cross dressed as a woman and starred on no, but a the, daily you know, fucking soap opera show and fallen in love yes. with the actress that played opposite of you, yes, and I then have. her father made a couple passes at you and was in love with you, and then punched you when he found out. Yes, I have. Really. Mm-hmm. No, was Bill knew, Murray you your the, roommate? The, no, that's the only difference. <laughs> I was your roommate. No, yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> during that period of time. No, you know, I think the main... It's a fucking great movie, the don't main, get me wrong. The main aspect, especially I think more of the key uh, end scene where he reveals himself, and I think more of anything it shows what you'll go through to be with somebody that you really love. And, and the lengths of, obviously goes out of control for comedy purposes and stuff like that. Right. But, He's like, I'm more of a man with you as a woman than I was as a man. That whole, I love that whole thing, and I've always loved that. I, I you know, know it's a, I actually really, I it would actually be fun one of these days. Maybe we'll have to do it for a film festival, but I'd love to review Tootsie, because I actually really like that movie a lot. <laughs> it's a good one, man. You don't think it's honest? <laughs> 
No, I think it's the opposite of honest. He's dressed up as a woman through the whole thing. <laughs> he's in love with her, but she has she just thinks that he's a, a dyke. I well, mean, right? That's my number one. All right. <laughs> Well, that's pretty good. My number one, uh, and obviously we've reviewed it before, and we don't really need to get that into it. It's Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. And it's another another one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up again is just because, like I mentioned earlier with Annie Hall, that I felt like the sort of, um, you know, it'd be like if you could take, uh, if, if somebody, <laughs> fucking God, I really hope that nobody does, but if somebody did have a film strip of one of your relationships... From the, you know, from the timid beginnings to the tumultuous, fucked up ending. And just went in and snipped it all to pieces with scissors. And then just threw it on the ground. Annie Hall does that. Um, High Fidelity does that. Eternal Sunshine does that. Mm -hmm. And it really helps. It really helps to, to give you, to give someone who doesn't understand. You know, because if you just went chronologically from beginning to end... Of, of a relationship in a movie, you know, you'd look at it from the beginning and, and you, I mean, I don't know, maybe you wouldn't get bored, but you'd probably have a hard time feeling it as intensely as the people are feeling it in it. Oh, yeah. Unless you can see these other big moments first. First, yeah. You know, whether it be the, the really rough ending or maybe when the two people are together and really in love, you know, or whatever, like to see it out of sequence like that, I mm -hmm. think, is, is really cool. So no, it's a, on uh, obviously. I mean, listen to our podcast. We love that movie. It's, yeah, definitely. As far as relationship goes, that's definitely that high fidelity and when Harry met Sally are the three that are the obvious ones that I, I that are, are hopefully everyone has seen. You know, right? Well, and like I said before, with high fidelity, you know, I mean, let's let's get into that for a second. I mean, I think that high fidelity is a. Uh, like I am that guy in high fidelity, you know. Right, exactly. Way, I mean I that 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 uh, you know. I mean both the neurotic aspects of of music and film and and these like facts and obviously anybody who listens to this podcast knows that about us. <laughs> yes. But then I think even on top of that, I think that in the same way of being unflinching and unabashed about saying like, yeah, I'm a douchebag. Here's what I did. Look mm -hmm. at look at you know like because there there's a lot of uh, a lot of fourth wall broken stuff. That yeah, well, and I think that it's really easy when somebody writes a, a screenplay like that, or even if it's a story before that or whatever. I mean, I know that if I wrote the the screenplay of one of my failed relationships, I would certainly have a really hard time making me look like the bad guy. I'd be like, ah, she was fucking crazy, and like, <laughs> you know what I mean. But it's way. like being able to go to those lengths to really show it in that way of this is what happens when two people get together and try to make these things happen. Sometimes it can be magic, and sometimes it's magic for a minute, and then you're chasing each other around the kitchen with a fucking steak knife, you know, like you don't know. And so, I don't know, I really like those aspects. Of oh, it, yeah, though. I mean, it's obviously an incredible movie, Some something that we steal a lot from. Definitely. You know, and it's just one of those, especially growing up being a music dork and yeah. everything and just... <laughs> and then being with somebody who kind of doesn't get it. Kind like, of they doesn't. might, they might, they're into music and they like music, but they're like, there's more to life, and you're like, like what? Yeah, yeah, you know, like he's just like you don't you yeah. don't get it at all, you know. Yeah, like, we both worked at record stores, mm -hmm. you know, and we both, you know, just been through that hell. Basked in our snobbery. And I love like the scene where he's uh, picturing sex with uh, Tim Robbins' character and how great oh it is, God. you know. And, and no that, one it, in the history of the universe <laughs> is having better sex than you're having in my head. Exactly. Yeah, and that's so many fucking great, great. Like little parts like that and. Obviously, the top five <laughs> lists and stuff like that. So, 
Well, cool, man. Uh, I think that was a great uh, top five. That, Except that, that for was... my number one. You didn't like my number one. <laughs> I liked your number one. I just thought as far as honest relationships <laughs> went, I want to see you in all of your full drag regalia before I'm going to accept that as an honest relationship. <laughs> That's all. All right. Well, we got lots of awesome feedback this week. Lots. Um, let's go ahead and uh, dive into the mailbag. So Taylor uh, wrote in to say that he was mad that uh, you called him a douchebag. Well, he and that like he's going to write his own review of Magnolia. He's going to watch it again, and uh, we'll we'll read it on on the show. Sure. I think. Sure. Uh, but uh, you got I'm, something on your face. You wiped something. I'm on very. Your face. I'm very. Um, Excited to read that and see what he thinks of it the second time. I, I hope that he likes it. I like it. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Who it's knows? So original. Um, okay. uh, Jay Nichols, my little brother, wrote us and said, uh, "Hey Adams, I'd have to agree with the greatness of Tropic Thunder. I saw it Wednesday night and loved it. Robert Downey Jr. was awesome. One small correction: the co-writer was actually Ethan Cohen." Not to be confused with Ethan Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. You know, multiple people corrected me on this. Oh, really? See, I didn't know. And I thought you were right. I, I, I did too, but it's one letter away, and on small poster print, it looks like Ethan Cohen. So whatever, you can dude. See you, how I got confused. You totally fucking blew it. Um, but you know, <laughs> I you know, I um, was wondering why I didn't know Ben Stiller and Ethan Cohen were good friends. But, I didn't know that either. But yeah. apparently, they're not. Uh, We had a bunch of people write in with great recommendations for uh, Western movies. Um, Ryan Doman wrote to us uh, with with quite a few, actually. Um, The the Cowboys, all the Spaghetti Western, Sergio Leone stuff, um, Open Range. Uh, He says in the theory, I've never heard it says, Loud Gunshots, My Ears Blood. That's one of the more modern ones, Open Range. I don't even know that, do you? It's a Kevin Costner movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Robert Duvall, I think. Uh, then he mentions the Seven Samurai as being remade into the Magnificent Seven, and uh, Yoshimbo, which was remade into a Fistful of Dollars. So cool. Um, you lots know, of people Mark Middlemiss and I think Taylor both also recommended westerns as well. Um, let's see what else. So this is uh, probably my favorite feedback we've ever had. I would agree. It's 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 mine too. Uh, this Steve is Lyon. from Steve Lyon. This is out of the country, people. We are huge. Yeah, this is from Wimbledon, England. England. Um, and he, he said he'd love the podcast and he wanted uh, us to keep up the good work. He didn't know how many listeners we had in Wimbledon, which as far as I know... One. One. So Hopefully if anybody more. else out there is from Wimbledon or, or anywhere else... Out of the country? Even out of the anywhere state. outside of the U- state of Utah. Like, come on. Uh, he had a great idea, and we'll have to... Well, I think this is amazing. We have to do this. We have to put it, link it to the right movie. I already have my list. But this is great. A top five list. This is what Steve Lyons said. A top five list of bad science in a film, which is one of my favorite things. <laughs> Thinking of the core, drilling into the Earth's core, Armageddon, drilling an asteroid, not to mention... And shotguns on a rig, or let's even say, as far as and this is my own comment on this, as far as Armageddon goes, blowing up one asteroid so that now you've made five million asteroids, but it's that's, gonna miss the Earth. Yeah, that's, that's a bunch of. Oh, and he says, and then even sunshine kickstarting the Earth. Uh, don't even get me started on the film volcano. Anyway, just a suggestion. Keep up the good work. But like it's uh, it's completely humbling to have somebody from another country right in. We. You know, with a podcast, we have no clue how far this stuff really goes. Definitely. Who's actually listening, and it's really just amazing. So I wrote him back, actually, and told him what uh, how much it meant to us. And, and then he wrote back, actually, with this. This was great, too, that he said uh, um, that as far as Blade Runner was concerned, 
that Ridley Scott based the look of that film on Middlesbrough, a city uh, close to where uh, Steve Lyon actually grew up. He says, which is pretty much a shithole, but if you check out a few photos online, you'll see where he got the idea. He grew up there, and it's a huge steelworks that lights up at night with open flames, just like in the movie. So crazy. we'll have to go and check that out. That's well, really and, fascinating. And to, to toot our own horn here for a minute, he said he tried a few British film review shows, and they were awful in general. What a surprise. Yeah. Um, but our show is different, and he picked fil we picked films that he either loved or wanted to see or made them sound so interesting that he went out and bought them. That, like, gives That's, me butterflies. I, high five. High five. That was the worst. Can we that, do one more? No, I feel stupid now. Oh, terrible. It's Even still bad. bad. You know what? I'll go back through and re-edit in really big ones. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Anyways, he'd never seen Rosemary, 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 Rosemary Rosemary's baby. Babies before, and he's got babies. it now. So we we made him like that movie. Rosemary's That's... Babies. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> super humbling, and I'm so stoked he wrote into us. Yeah, we just want to say thanks again, Steve. And that's he, awesome. And he also talked about the music, and we're obviously into indie music. I think that's just more what we grew up listening to. I so. totally agree. Plus, it's also, we're playing, for those who don't know, uh, is local music. And we're yeah, this is running, all music from Utah. We're running a little slim, so if you have music, uh, whether you live in the state of Utah or not, send it in and we'll play it. Yeah, because really it. that's more our thing, is we just want to play music that's kind of unknown so that other people can get into it. And you know, and I, I'm sure a lot of it's not for everybody, but still, um, you know, that's kind of our main. Uh, that's why why we play it. Plus, there's a whole rights thing there that we're not really sure about. So. Yeah, you know, you never know. I know that I know that iTunes will kick you off if you're doing something. Yeah, so uh, you know, we appreciate the feedback, everybody. Thank you very much. And next week Steve. we'll have some kind of like weird trivia related something or other, so that we can give out. Uh, and don't worry, guys, we're getting T-shirts and stickers made so that if you do live outside of Utah, you're not getting... Oh, we'll send you a free movie pass for next time you're in Salt Lake. Like, <laughs> we'll actually send you some some, some good stuff. Hopefully, so, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, what are we doing next week? In Bruges. In Bruges, which is... You've seen it, I haven't seen it. It's incredible, yeah. The uh, Colin Farrell, um, Martin McDonough, I think, is the director. It okay. just came out this year... Probably my number one movie of the year so far. I, wow. And you haven't seen it, though? I'm I haven't seen it. I'm excited. So that's uh, In Bruges is next week. Uh, what's the top five going to be? You, you said that you uh, had an we, idea we for one? We haven't created one. I yet. thought you just said you had an idea for one, though. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. And then, uh, so uh, I guess if anybody thinks, if anybody has seen In Bruges and, and, and knows an idea for a good uh, uh, top five for that, let us know. Uh, then we'll also be starting with... Our our first film from the film Westival. <laughs> I did it that time. I did it that time. I'm proud uh, of which you. will be the man who shot Liberty Valance. Uh, who's John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. So uh, okay. that'll be next week. That's a nice I gotta party turn, show. Yeah, we, I got to turn this air conditioner on. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a damn podcast. Episode 22, Bitches. From Salt Lake City, Utah, I'm Adam Sherlock. I'm Adam Pulcher. We'll see you next week.